Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the TalkHouse Podcast. Today I'm joined by... Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of TalkHouse Film. And welcome back from your travels, Elia. Thank you so much. I was in Thailand and India on a brief sabbatical. Not that listeners would know. We kept running podcasts while I was gone, Nick. We just crank it out. We never stop here. We never stop. Speaking of never stopping, we have a very fucking cool episode today. Karen Gillan in conversation with James Roday. Two very good friends, two very cool actor, writer, director people. Multi-hyphenates. Multi-hyphenates. These people are really so fun to listen to and actually also very good at doing that whole behind-the-camera thing too. James Rode, of course, is probably best known for playing Sean Spencer on the USA show Psych. The fake psychic. Who doesn't love a fake psychic? (laughs) I guess people who want to see a real psychic. Who actually want to see the future. Yeah. And he's currently starring in a very different show, the drama series, A Million Little Things. As you mentioned before, Nick, he's also a man who spent a lot of time behind the camera. He directed the 2015 horror film Gravy. He's directed a ton of episodes of Psych, other TV shows. And his second feature as director, Treehouse, is now on Hulu as part of their collaboration with Blumhouse, Into the Dark. It's a a slow-burning horror movie with a sort of Me Too angle, which is something they touched on quite a bit in their conversation. Nick, something I didn't know before hearing this conversation is that Karen Gillan is actually a huge horror fan herself. I think of her in a very different light artistically. Of course, she's best known for her roles in Doctor Who and in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As Nebula in Guardians of the Galaxy. And Amy Pond. Mm -hmm. in Doctor Who. But she's also a writer-director as well. Like her first feature came out last year and it is a dark and funny film. But horror, yeah, that was news to me as well. But they are deep horror nerds. I love it. (laughs) I love some good nerdery and there is some really solid discussions of horror movies and films that other people might find a little obscure but which I recognize the names of. And had seen. I recognize the name of uh, Jumanji. That's a huge horror franchise <laughs> she's been a part of. That is a th- th- too scary for me, personally. But um, we get to hear about some uh, Jumanji gossip. And they talk even more about the parties just beginning, Karen's first directorial feature, and James's recent time behind the camera as well, and what they'll both be working on in the future. Nick, these two old friends sat down in a a new venture, James's bar to be, that's still under construction. Yeah, Eagle Rocks, the Grant, will be a a really good place to to grab a drink. But right now, there was a little bit of construction noise that we could, uh, (laughs) that was bleeding in. Maybe not the best place to record a podcast, but having said that, what a podcast they recorded. They did. They touched on so many cool things from James's obsession with Highland cows to their mutual love of Lynn Ramsey and that letter that Karen sent to Michael Hanukkah. That story is amazing. Also amazing, we get the skinny on Kegel's upcoming projects, including Avengers Endgame. I have heard of that movie too. <laughs> I believe there's a certain amount of interest in it. And equally... We got a pretty entertaining take on Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who, of course, is uh, Karen's co-star in the Jumanji horror movies that you mentioned previously. (laughs) Should we run the tape? Let's run that tape. Okay, this is happening now. It's happening. 
Oh my God, he's locking the door. All right, we're locked in. Nowhere it's, to go. It's me and old Kegel. And old Kegel. I have to be honest, uh, I felt like this was going to be a long shot at best. You're a tough one to track down. Oh. Uh, you're all over the place all the time. I rarely have no any mad. clue where you're going to be. So I was delighted. Oh, well, thank you. Thank it, you for asking that me. That it timed out so that you could come to this raw. This to be bar. That I think is healthy to be in. I think. I um, mean, Yeah, we're in a raw. Great. We're in a fairly raw space that... Um, the word is that it was the very first Wells Fargo in Los Angeles. That's amazing. So there's some history here and um, some blood money, I bet. Oh, yeah. And some asbestos. Good brick. Oh, yeah. no, don't Probably. say that. Probably. I mean, at some point. Just don't disturb it. Uh, and, and soon, relatively soon, it will be a new dope place to be bar called The Grant. Here the in, Grant. Here in Eagle Rock. I can't wait to be in here yeah. drinking alcohol. And you'll have you'll you'll remember being here when there were chains hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> oh my goodness! And it'll be a completely <laughs> different experience. Lights. Yeah, and there'll be pictures of my dog in evidence Amazing. when that happens. My you dog, who you knew, Frank. May, may he rest, a fellow ginger. Oh, I know. God bless that dog. Yeah, he had a good, solid run on this earth. And he did. He's now cha. He's chilling mm. out across the Rainbow Bridge, mm. and we'll remember him every time we come here and have that's lovely. The drink that's going to be named <gasps> you after should him. Have a call. Yes, called the Space Walrus. What the Space Walrus? <laughs> what does that consist of? It's probably going to be like a vodka gimlet because I because that's be what able, you like. Yeah, because I want to be able to drink a lot of them. You like a good vodka. So it's a very selfish mixology request. No, it's the way Frank would have wanted it. I think so. Um, I have to confess that I. I'm feeling so weird and spaced out right now because I saw something on TV like before I came here and cried my eyes out. It was just an old guy falling over and it was horrible. Like a like a candid real life moment of an old man falling down? Yeah. And it made me cry so much and it made me think like there's nothing sadder than seeing like an old person in pain, is there? No, that's tough. Oh, and God. My old dog is kind of what made you think of that. Well, <laughs> not exactly. I just felt like I wanted to explain my weird, like... Oh, you don't seem any weirder than usual. <laughs> but why were you... What were you watching that, that granted you I access to this? I don't know. I wasn't watching it. it would, I just passed the television and saw it and was like, oh, that's horrible. And you realized it was on the Old People Falling channel. Oh, <laughs> yeah, which is what I usually tune into. Yeah, and you probably didn't even know you had that channel. But there's so many channels now that there's uh, one for everything. If that exists, that person think, is in trouble with me. I don't me. think he's a good person. And I think you should probably make sure that it's not, you don't leave that channel on anymore yeah, in your house. Yeah, get off. Because that is sad. It is. But I'm going to be okay. I feel like you'll be writing a short about it um, <sighs> within the next two two or three days. Do you cry often? I don't. Um, <laughs> really? I'm borderline inhuman. What um, the hell, James? I, I don't know. And what's, you know, what's weird is that, like, I've managed to kind of piecemeal together an entire so-called career as a performer with also without ever really having to emote. Wait, you don't cry on screen? I very rarely, very rarely have I been asked to do that until this current gig that I'm on oh, where really? everybody has to cry a lot. And how do you handle that? Are you comfortable with it? What, it's a, what I've discovered is that uh, I'm about 20 years behind um, my peers when it comes to like having a process or, or something to tap oh, to into to make your, that yeah. happen. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a struggle. Like, really? I feel like I can give it to you like maybe twice mm. 
mm-hmm. where like if you want to be in there, you can mm. see that something's happening. Yeah. And then I just I have to act everything else after that. I think that's maybe quite normal though. Do you? Because man, I've got yeah. people on this show that are just can just cry like motherfuckers. Insane. Yeah. Every that's time, crazy, crazy I waterworks. Them. I don't know what they're tapping into, but that's I don't weirder. have that. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> to have that amount of control over it, I definitely don't have that. I need to like truly feel it. I can't just turn it on like it's a mechanism, yeah, you know? Yeah, and imagine having no feelings. That's what I'm saying. Imagine, yeah, imagine never being feeling, a robot yeah, and trying to do that. And Jeez. it's tough. It's tough, Gillen. That must be. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I didn't cry while watching your movie. However, it wasn't a teary movie. No, I don't think it was. Uh, I, I, I would hope that it would stir up something. It did. It stirred up many, many things. But it wasn't tears. like a weep, weepy movie, but no. like it felt very, it felt very like cathartic though, for sure. That's a good, that's a good word to hear. Mm, yeah. um, because, you know, I, I, I suspect just in the amount of time since we shot it mm. till now, um, this issue has become even more polarizing. So true. I have so many questions. Yeah. I'm going in. So right. it's, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm very curious just to, just to see sort of how this is received now because there have mm. been so many things that have happened that have kind of blown my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so when did you actually come up with this idea and was it before all of the movements like Me Too and the, Time's Up? The irony... Um, they're just having fun outside, right? That's not These turning into are, a conflict of any kind? <laughs> no. no, they're painting. Yeah, they're just having a whale of oh, a time. Oh, yeah, they're, they're just they're swapping stories about, <laughs> about simpler times. Um, yeah, I, uh, the irony, if, if I know that's a term that gets thrown around probably incorrectly mm-hmm. most of the time, but uh, the irony is that this idea actually uh, came into fruition before the movements, which was kind wow. of, was, it was bizarre to be sort of bandying about with this idea just because I felt like, well, here's, here's a story that could be interesting to tell mm-hmm. from a, a, and a, with a very sort of specific targeted perspective of like mm. this type of man. Yeah. Um, so that it's not an indictment on men in general as much mm. as it is like white men of privilege who have been conditioned to sort of feel like they are above mm-hmm. Uh, the law, criticism, whatever. Mm-hmm. Not that they all are, but some certainly have right. have lived their entire lives this way. Like, let's dig into that. Mm-hmm. And I had two-thirds of a movie that I thought worked pretty well and no real clear idea how to end it. Oh, really? Or how to bring it home, which is why it sort of ended up on a shelf for a while. Right. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to dust that off and I'm just going to start pitching two acts worth of it to a bunch of women in my life. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they will tell me yeah. how this should actually end and where mm-hmm. the story should go. And that sort of was the process that got me to, okay, I have, I actually have a pitch. And then before I could even, you know, start designing what I might want to do with it, mm-hmm. um, you know, the movement happens. Yeah. It suddenly becomes the only thing that anyone is talking about. Yeah. Uh, Blumhouse calls and says, we're doing this anthology. Do you have anything for the month of March, J- July, or I can't remember the other month that was open. Mm-hmm. March uh, is when International Women's Day happens. Oh. And I said, you know what, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have no doubt that because of the climate and because of everything that's happened, this thing was put together as quickly as it was. 
Right. I mean, I spent mm. almost a decade making my first movie and this Whoa. happened over a phone call and a weekend. Yeah, that's so crazy. And I know it's... it's it, because it's just so incredibly socially relevant. And it seems incredibly opportunistic on top of that. But at the same time, it was like, well, I'd still want to tell the story mm. as much as I did before. Yeah. I was interested to talk to you about the perspectives of the movie. Um, because would you like say that this is a movie from the male perspective um, <sighs> on this sort of female... My biggest fear, honestly, is that it's is that that is how it is perceived. As a male perspective movie. It was the, it was the one thing I wanted to get out in front of mm -hmm. because I wrote it with another guy and because I directed it. Right. I did not want it to be like, oh, we get it. It's this. Um, mm. Which is why I surrounded myself with so many women from mm -hmm. this, you know, from the breaking of story of it forward. And... And I was like, you know what? The only way that this movie is worth making right mm -hmm. now with this temperature is if it doesn't feel like a guy mansplaining the movement yeah. to viewers, mm -hmm. which is why the ending changed four times. It did. Until we finally landed on something that all of the women signed off on. I know what the other ending, I mean, are you? Much darker, as really? you could imagine. Um, because again, it's like coming from male perspective, you just, the first, the first thing I jump to is like, oh, catharsis, I'll show you catharsis, mm. you know, let's watch the most fatalistic dark version of, of what could happen right. to this character possible mm -hmm. and cheer. But it became very evident to me that like that's, while that may provide a very brief sense of satisfaction. Yeah. It's not actually contributing to anything. It's not actually going to no. move the needle. It's not actually going to be part of this conversation in a constructive way. Mm. So then it became a journey about, okay, well, then what do we want to say, actually? Yeah. And that's where my job as a storyteller kind of stopped. And Juliana, especially, who mm. produced this movie as well. She produced it? She did. Brilliant. Um, she kind of took the reins and said, this is, mm -hmm. this is, I think, what we need to say if you do truly want to represent at least a prism of the female perspective. Because, of course, obviously you can't represent everybody. No. Um, so this particular chunk of female perspective is where we landed, mm -hmm. which is hopefully something a little more evolved and thoughtful and... Mm -hmm. Um, instead of, con, you know, aspiration instead of con, condemnation, is there a way to sort of get through? Is there yeah. a way to reprogram? Is there a way to change? Yeah, well, that's the hope. And that's what everybody wants out of a movement like this. It's not a witch hunt, as some people call it. It's, um, it's about, you know, causing a, a change yeah. in, the, in the male perspective. And, and unfortunately, as much as maybe we wish it was different, it does kind of start with a very sort of, it's a very specific set of individuals who need to open their eyes first mm -hmm. and recognize, hey, whether it's fair or not fair, this has been going on for centuries and it's still mostly us that are in positions of power and mm. mostly us and everything trickles down from there. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, for lack of a better word, the people that are woke have been woke for centuries right. it's the people that aren't yes that have all the power <laughs> that are still entrenched and have been conditioned in in a way that has been normalized for so long yeah that they're like well what we don't understand we don't mm -hmm. understand what the problem is yeah it's so obvious did you have any hesitation about being a white male filmmaker about telling this story absolutely 
Really? Um, and I thought, okay, how can I help this narrative not seem like that's the first thing anybody's going to think of? Mm -hmm. So the other thing that we did, which was not difficult at all, but I thought, wow, what a, what a cool thing that maybe someone can see and be like, oh, well, we want to do that too, is um, we populated that set with almost all women. I saw that in the credits, actually. <sighs> every department head, every mm. designer. And, and your stunt coordinator stunt too? Stunt coordinator, editor, Brilliant. composer, like you name it. Mm -hmm. um, but you often work with a largely female crew, right? I love working with ladies because I, I generally find them to be, <laughs> frankly, more collaborative, frankly, more mm. enlightened. And I often will get a perspective out of something that I can't get. Well, that's it. It's nice to balance it out a little bit. Like Tarantino works with like a yeah. female editor. It's quite quite common, isn't it? It just makes it better, I, I find. But with yeah. this particular one, it was tricky because it was like I, I could have not directed it. I could have not mm. written it. But the window of opportunity was about this wide. Yeah. It was a bird in hand. It was somebody saying, okay, if you want to do this, the light's green, go. Yeah. And... Because of that, it also made the most sense for me to sort of lead the charge because I'd been living with it for the longest. And yeah, I mean, the clock was just, we did this in so little time. Really? How many days were you shooting? Shot for about 15 and a half days. 15 and a half days? No. Um, for not a lot of money, obviously. I am truly shocked <laughs> that you made that in 15 and a half days. True story. And then, you know, we were prepping while I was writing because the <sighs> movie was, you know, Blumhouse... They sort of march to their own beat. They, they do whatever they want. And mm -hmm. they're the only studio I know of who would do something as crazy as they, what they did, which is they, they greenlit this movie on a phone pitch. Wow. <laughs> and then because of my timeline and my schedule and mm. having to go off to, to do the TV thing, mm. um, they were like, okay, well, you basically need to start prep, but you also need to write the script. So mm. I was writing and prepping. That was one process. Whoa. And then it, it was really fast. And then what about influences, like other movies? Did you have any sort of, I hate this, but like comp movies that you were inspired by? I think we've spoken about this movie before, but um, Raw. Oh, Raw. That movie got into my head in a way that very excellent. few movies have. Mm -hmm. And it's still in there. Yeah. And the way it was shot, the slow burn of that story mm. is something... I just, I love not knowing exactly where you're going for a while. I definitely got that feeling in, in your film, The Slow Burn. <laughs> no, but it was great. It felt like, a, it kind of felt maybe like a little Rosemary's Baby to like a Polanski style. Yeah. There slow was, build up, like, ooh, weird things are happening. All the other comps were European. I oh, just, really? I went on a European horror kick like a while back. Where what else? It was just, um, there's a movie called Goodnight Mommy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> You know, I, whatever. I mean, it's it's sort of variations on a theme in terms of the storytelling, but the way that movie looked, mm -hmm. uh, I loved all yeah. of uh, Yorgos' stuff. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. I just love the way he decides where to put a camera and shoot a master. Yeah. Because I can feel him going, oh, I might, not need, I might not need to cover this at all. Right. Because that looks cool. If you do this, 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 and this, then we might be able to... To, to play, play an entire like scene like that. Mm. I love that stuff. Um, a movie yes. called Thelma. They're all, Thelma. They were all sort of uh, lady-driven Euro art house mm -hmm. horror. Yeah. Um, it's a good genre. It's a pretty damn good genre. 
And then the and my other concern was just like, look, I think because of the times that we're in, if you tip your hand too early with this movie, I, I really think you run the risk of half of your potential audience tuning out mm -hmm. because they think they know what's coming. And I knew what was coming because you spoke to me about the movie before <laughs> I watched it. So I was trying to work out, like, would I know yeah. where this is going? The challenge and was... I truly don't think I would know. Like, obviously, I want you to feel like you're in a genre movie. But, like, how fun would it be if, if you have no idea why? I wanted to walk the line of being weird and creepy, but can it still sort of live in this world? Like, because you, you're one of the tens of people that saw my first movie in, mm -hmm. in theaters. Yeah. And that was so different. That was so unapologetically arched and like mm -hmm. over the top. And it was very different. It was interesting to see your style evolve. Like the first movie felt way more chaotic in a great way. Um, like absolute madness, bizarre, <laughs> absurd. Um, and this felt very poised, deliberate, slow, slow build up. But then I think the movie reaches a point where it's sort of back into that style yeah. for a section. And I felt like I kind of owed horror audiences something yeah. for going on the ride that's as slow as it is for as long as it is. Mm -hmm. Just kind of wanted to rip the Band-Aid off at, at some point. Yeah, that's and, a nice payoff. And and let them, and, and also, you know, I, I love horror and I think horror should be fun. Yeah. And I don't want that to get lost in the fact that we have something to say either mm. because why do we make films first and foremost? I, I love, I mean, I just love being behind the camera, you know, yeah. I love... I love storytelling. I love entertaining. I don't want it to get. I don't want it to get bogged down in a message because I think yeah. you don't need to watch a film to hear that message. You can go to a rally. You can go online. You yeah. can go on social media. I mean, believe me, it's there. It's there. <laughs> so you know, yeah, I, there is I agree. there is still a, res a responsibility. I think to do what we do, which is entertain. Yeah, and, and it's easy to forget that sometimes. Use the platform that we have to give people an experience yeah. and not just slap them with something that's, even if it's something that's really important to us. So I feel like the older I get, the more I'm embracing that movies are entertainment. They can be used for a strong message and I think they should be, but also we need to remember that this is like an escape from yeah. normal life. I think in my twenties, I sort of didn't view movies in quite the same way. And I was all about like these like social commentary, like yeah. very sort of stark movies. But now I'm like, I just want to eat some popcorn and get away for a second. Uh, television too. Like I've, I've learned that lesson in a completely new way this year, just working on a show that deals with a lot of pretty serious issues that, you know, sometimes when you're doing it not for real, you can become really sort of judgmental. Mm. And then you realize, oh, if you can do it relatively authentically, people mm -hmm. will connect to it. Yeah. People can have, like you said, a, a, a real catharsis mm. and get something out of it. And I don't know if there's anything more gratifying when it comes to what we do yeah. to find out that, oh, it's not, we're not just putting it out there into a vacuum. Like, yeah. It's actually affecting people. Holy shit. All of a sudden it comes yeah. with a, a, a responsibility and an obligation to do it as right as humanly possible. Yes. Um, but mm -hmm. to your point, I think you also always have to remember that like people work hard. Yes. <laughs> every day. Uh -huh. And we're so, so lucky to be able to do what we do. Mm. And I think a lot of times they look to us 
to like help them blow off some steam and Absolutely. make them that's laugh, it. transform them, take them somewhere else. Like yeah. that's what we can do. Yeah, Otherwise, when I got we're back just... to Scotland in the dead of winter and I went and saw La La Land and I was like, I finally understand what the point of movies are. <laughs> that I know what it means now because <laughs> I needed it. I yeah. needed the sunshine. I needed the music. I needed to get away from that for a second. And it was incredible. That's what we can offer. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just like human clown bulldogs walking around <laughs> playing dress up. I don't really know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> clown bulldogs. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I've sort of landed in, in a similar place recently where I'm just yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's a huge chunk of, of what we do. And yes, we're, we have to be showmen. But, we... um, I just made a short film that's a horror movie. So I just finished it the other day and it's been such an interesting experience. I like basically went full, indulged in the commercial fun horror movie vibe. Nice. And I never expected myself to do that. And I was going for jump scares, um, which are incredibly technical and difficult mm-hmm. to execute. Um, and it was just so much fun. I loved every second of it. Now, does this have anything to do with your other horror project that Axe Wound? Oh, no, it doesn't. No, brand new. I thought you were fishing for a second. I was uh, shadow fishing. Because oh. I just thought, what a strange interlude. Yeah. <laughs> but nobody can see it. No. So there's zero payoff. Lost. lost. Zero um, not no. Axe Wound related. No. Right. It's something completely separate. Um, and it was good practice for me, I think, for Axe Wound, which will be a future project of mine about um, an actress on the convention circuit who was in one um, cheesy horror movie called Axe Wound 2. Um, <laughs> and she's just, it's like a descent into madness type of movie. And there's a short that you made. That's yeah, it's called Conventional, an, which is on an, YouTube if you want to check it out. Just plugging an, myself. Kind of an origin story for how this idea yeah. came to be. Mm-hmm. I've seen all, I, I, except for this new one, I, I believe I've seen all of your shorts. And you haven't. I've not seen there's all of There's one I've kept from the world. Oh, goodness gracious. It's called Coward. And but, I am being a coward about showing it to people. <laughs> when did that fall into the timeline? before conventional. Oh. It was the first one I'd ever done. Okay. And it was, as I was talking about being in my 20s and being kind of a little more serious about the movies and like, what's the message? Social commentary. It's like that in a really annoying way. Okay. <laughs> and I don't think it's representative of what I can do. So I've kind of just decided to keep it for myself. Right. I think there's value in that. Yeah, I think so. Um, we should talk a little bit about the party's just beginning. Oh, should we? I think we should because that <laughs> I had that full experience uh, oh. very recently, um, which of course was the your feature yes. directorial debut, um, which is out there and should be on iTunes. Should be seen. Uh, should it? <laughs> I truly believe so. I was so very very impressed. I mean, not oh. not not because I didn't. I mean, I I had read the script, so I knew, and I mm-hmm. have I've seen you do very impressive things with a camera. So I wasn't surprised in the sense that you pulled it off. I think it was just the visceral experience that I had watching something that is so you and I know you Mm. and still being able to somehow separate myself enough to have the same experience I think I would have had if it was someone that I'd never met making this movie. And I think that is the ultimate testament to to what you pulled off is that to, to oh. have someone who knows you pretty well watch the movie mm. and and in no way, shape or form be affected by, oh, that's you up there or that's you mm. I know directing it or you, you know, putting together, editing it and putting like, it's it's so you. I mean, it does feel very, does it? it does feel very, to me, it felt <laughs> that's like- That's interesting. It felt very Kegel 
And it felt very Scottish and it it's felt very, very specific That's to- That's like the, the tone is Scottish, I would say. <laughs> and to a very specific experience that I yeah. had heard you sort of allude to that goes on there. Mm. So I, I was, and that all felt very authentic to someone who didn't come from there. Um, oh, good. And super specific. Yeah, it's um, the tone is it's a very serious subject matter. It's um, it's about suicide and the aftermath and a person that's left behind dealing with that. Um, however, the tone hopefully is very funny too because that's how a Scottish person handles adversity. Is you just find the humour in it and you find the absurdity and you laugh. It was very lifelike, hmm. moment to moment, very much so, but also heartbreaking and Aww. the depths of which you wonder like. Does someone like this ever find their way out of this hole? Mm. Like if nothing is going to change around them, mm-hmm. how do they create that change for themselves? Yeah, and that's, that's the key. And you isn't don't it? tie it up and put a bow on it either. It's just no. It's very interesting. Real. People have like many different interpretations of the ending. <laughs> Maybe I should talk about the ending because that's a spoiler. Don't. Okay. Make people watch it. Okay, watch it. Yeah. And then tell me your interpretations on Twitter. Exactly. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, now, if we're on Scotland, I think we need to pivot strong and hard towards... To Lynn Ramsey? No. Oh. We can, <laughs> we, can go, we can go to Lynn Ramsey, <laughs> but briefly I need to talk about my obsession with the Highland cow. Um, and I need, yes, please and, talk about And that. I need you t- to kind of take the baton and just... Look, I, I think everybody should go onto the interwebs who's listening to this and Google Highland Cow so that yes, they have a point of reference for what I'm talking about. I, I have created a, a borderline mythical creature um, that plays by its own rules and is unlike any other mammal on the planet. But I've also never got, I've never met one. You've never met I've Highland Cow? I've never been cow. able to touch one. I've never, oh. I don't know like demeanor wise I don't know what we're talking I don't know what purpose they serve in Scottish culture I don't know if they're if they can be milked I don't know what I don't know where they're living to, will you please Those tell are me all good questions I don't know if they can be milked <laughs> I would love to drink the milk of a highland cow I would love to see the face of a highland cow while it's being milked <laughs> I just imagined it for it, a second. I don't so want it. It's so very expressive when it appears to be doing nothing that I would want to know what happens if someone... Actually did that. Yeah. I, it, they look to me like a cow has mated with a Viking. Yeah. And that's the product. And played around with like some 80s new wave hair. Yes. Yeah. And they're full ginger. Full ginger, all mm. of them. Because they also... Anything big and gingery also reminds me of Frank, my... My, yeah. my dog, who was a ginger mastiff. So I immediately have an affinity for anything large and red. Yeah, they look like they could have been related. They could have potentially been mm. related. But like, tell me, so you go to the Highlands. Yeah. Are they just strewn about freely? Oh, yeah. Just chilling? Chilling in the fields, <laughs> eating grass. You see them everywhere. They moo like in any other cow would moo. Is it industry? Like, or do they just, That's they're just indigenous to the highlands and I think, that's what well, they yeah, do they're, their thing. They're just indigenous cows. Um, and I think they serve the same sort of, I mean, we, we have the same use for them as other people have with other cows. So you do eat the highland cows? I think so. Yeah. I, I want to check that because I don't know for sure. I just assumed that all cows were like that until I left the highlands. Right. It seems like you're playing with fire. <laughs> what do you mean? By slaughtering and eating a highland cow. <gasps> I it know. It seems like, like that's the kind of thing happen? that can come back and get you. Yeah. I think. Because, you know, they're magical. I feel like one would have been good in in your movie, actually, like the head of a Highland cow. I think there's some sorcery there. 
is all I'm saying. I so think you might be right. You and your people... Be careful. Um, I would proceed with caution. All right. <laughs> Thank you for this warning and heads up. And as far as we know, there's no difference between a male and a female. They all just kind of look like that. I don't know. Like Maybe a, there's like an extra horn. A horn. Who knows? Signifies Seems gender. Seems like there would be. It's a majestic special beast. It really is. I think you have potentially taken for granted because of where you grew up. I'm sorry. Yeah. I feel really bad about this. I want you to turn it around because you have time. Okay. <laughs> there's still time. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry. I di- I digressed. No, that uh, was much like, better than I feel listening like I, to me. No, we bonded over Lynn Ramsey. Uh, yes. Like when we became Rat friends. Catcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of uh, my favorite movies ever. So good. And I remember Beautiful. at one point, you like boldly because why the hell not? Like wrote a letter or an email or something. Didn't you reach out to her at one no, point? No, I just, wrote to Michael Haneke. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but. <laughs> I think I probably just told you you should write to Lynn Ramsey. Yeah, I feel like you you've should... said a few times, you guys need to meet. <laughs> you guys need to be in each other's Yeah, you need orbit. to work with each other. Yeah. And I would love that more than anything. Yeah, well, what is she making at the moment? So she just made You Were Never Really Here. Right. Did what, you see it? I did. It was sort of like so a good. fever dream that Great. Um, I should watch again. Yeah. Um, Joaquin. Which, which of her movies is, is your favorite? Ratcatcher? Ratcatcher is still, just because up until that point in my life, I'd never seen anything yeah. like it. Um, mm-hmm. The sequence with the mouse and the balloon, I was it's just brilliant. like, I've never seen anything like this. I've that never was felt like what this. La La Land was to me. In the middle of that movie was a little break where you go to space because <laughs> it's so bleak for the rest of the time. Yeah. So I, I, I'm still probably, I'm still partial to Ratcatcher, but there has been at least one sequence in every film she's made that has kind of blown my britches yeah, off. Yeah, the sequence I loved in You Were Never Really Here was the CCTV um what do you call that in America? Security uh, camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that footage yeah. played to music mm-hmm. all rhythmically. It was brilliant. And also just the the third act is almost like plays like an aria. Like mm. he, yeah. when he goes in there to get her, mm-hmm. I think there's almost no dialogue for about 20 minutes of that yeah. movie. And again, mm-hmm. I was just like, I haven't quite seen anything done like yeah. this before. She's extraordinary. I wish so she, maybe I will write her a I letter. think you should. I think you should. Maybe I, I'll send her this. I think you guys could conquer the world. Yeah. together. That sounds great. No, I did write to Michael Haneke. He has still not written back. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if the letter ever got to him. I think I sent it to the university that he lectures in. So who knows? You imagine he comes into his office during office hours and he looks over and on the windowsill is just this stack of unopened mail. And he's like, you know what? I let it get too big. I've just got I, to get through it. I don't know where to start now. Like there's too many of them. And somewhere in that pile is it's the letter from old Kegel. From old Kegel. <laughs> Just like, hi, Michael. Um, <laughs> I'm a really big fan of yours and I love your movies and I want to be in one. Uh, That's basically how it went. He should open that letter. One I day. don't, one day. He needs to do it relatively soon. What do you mean by that? Um, I mean, he's getting up there, oh. isn't he? <laughs> I just got so offended. No, for his. I'm talking about for his sake. Um, what do you mean? How are you done being blue? Are you are you going back and forth being blue right now? That's a spoiler. No, it's not. Everybody, yes, it is. everybody knows. No, they don't. That they're still making those gigantic films. Listen, okay, maybe I will still be blue. Okay, but Avengers. Uh, Endgame comes out in April is that, on the twenty no, sixth. Is that bullshit or is it is it the end game? Are they just are they t- telling us it's the end game and then there's going to be seven more? 
I will say that there will be endings. Okay. And nobody is safe. Okay. Well, that's some, That's a nice sort of teaser. For yeah. The gazillion fans of that franchise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be so good. Brace yourselves, yeah. Avengers fans. Mm-hmm. Um, will you be watching? <laughs> I might watch the end game. Really? Yeah. Did you see the uh, the last one? No. It's kind of like I watched just the series finale of Mad Men. Okay. And yeah. felt and felt pretty satisfied. <laughs> you, know? you got what you needed. I kind of did. I was like, oh, I can sort of see where all these dots connected and yeah. where everybody landed. And I was mm. like, great. This what a great way to watch a series. Just the last episode. To just episode. watch all of the the loose ends being yeah, tied, tied up. Tied up, and then you kind of get a sense of like, oh, mm. well, if they landed here, they probably started somewhere more like here. Right. You can backtrack from there. Yeah. I like that technique. So that's that is exactly what I'm going to apply to the Avengers. Okay. And I'm stoked about it. Let them. me know how you get on with that. <laughs> I will. What is your exercise regime of choice these days? My exercise regime? I'm curious. You mean like working out? Yeah. Um, it's a lot at the moment. Now, is that because of, it's because of a movie that you're about to start? Yeah, what I'm about you, to start the next Jumanji movie. So tell me what your workouts will consist of right now. So right that, now it's insane. So that people will know how much work we put in sometimes. It's really hard <laughs> um, being an actress. No, um, I, well, I get up and I've started running. So I'm like out of breath and I'm like, why, why? Um, and then I will do like an hour with a trainer. Okay. Um, and that's all heavy lifting. Okay. Because We're so talking you, you want to put on some mass for this movie. Yeah, I want okay. muscle. I want to, I'm a, an assassin, you know, a right. killer of men. Right. And You I, at least have to be as big as you were the first time around. Right. If not bigger. I would like to be a little bigger. Okay. I mean, I'm next to the rock, you know? You are. You're next to a man who has who a lot the biggest. of meat. Firm toned meat. <laughs> a variety of toned meats is what makes up his body. <laughs> Talk more on that. <laughs> that's, that's what I see. I see something that feels very alien and unfamiliar to me. Right. And then if you start breaking it down, you're just like, oh, I, you could teach human anatomy if he just stood still. Yeah. With a stick. I <laughs> just pointed to himself. Yeah, he just points at all the things that make up our systems. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving on from that. Good for you, Good for you, um, Dwayne. Yeah, I mean, he works hard, oh, though, you I know? I can't even imagine. Two hours every morning, I think. But no, and then I'll probably do like another run later in the day. So you're doing like three workouts a day. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'll miss the third run and that it doesn't sound insane when i say it out loud but it feels insane because it's every day there's no days off but it's also diet you also have oh yes and i'm yeah like last night there was a party in my house and everybody was eating pizza and i had a plate of apple and i ate it around people and it unnerved them frankly right you know that's that's my life yeah that's where what we do becomes semi-obnoxious sometimes yeah I'm that girl talking about healthy eating and eating an apple while doing it but then when you see the payoff I think it's you know it's pretty impressive yeah Yeah. I mean you get to not watch the movie and cringe at yourself which is all I want really (laughs) which is what I do every time I watch myself do anything yeah do you? I can't watch myself you don't watch yourself? I don't I can't you know what I did very very early on I would watch myself to see if I had any excruciatingly bad habits. Right. That I was like, if you don't break them now, you'll never break them. Yeah. And I discovered a couple things that I was like, you look like a person who belongs doing something else besides acting. <laughs> um, blinking was one of them. Oh, God. I was like, you can't say a word without without blinking. It looks like you have a problem. Right. So, you know, I effectively forced Worked myself to like stop 
blinking. And then for a while, I looked like I had a different kind of problem because I never blinked. Oh, yeah. And then you find... A lot of actors don't... You find... I feel like it's a technique. You got to find something in the middle. You just, just like, just look like a human. Yeah, just, just be normal. Try don't to, be peculiar. Try to have feelings. Try to mm. blink when people blink. It's yeah. been tough for me because, you know, I'm an artificial person. Well, yeah. yeah. You do find <laughs> a little like an alien that's trying to be a human. No, I am... Ian Holm from Alien. That's, yeah, I bleed weird white milky acid. Um, that's nice. That's a, I mean, that's a weird reveal for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, I feel like we've, you know, we've opened it up pretty nice, right? I feel semi-comfortable yeah. saying that. Um, but yeah, no, should, I, I, can't, I can't watch myself anymore. Aww. I feel like, I, I mean, we live it, right? We, yeah. we rehearse it, we do it, we do it sometimes 50 times. We yeah. do it to death. I'm convinced that if you watch yourself, you learn. Yeah, you're probably um, right. However, I've stopped watching myself as well, and I don't know why. I think I've just gotten older. I think I'm like, oh, I don't want to see this face. You don't want to see the face. I feel like I could always, at any given moment, come up with 12 other things I should be doing besides watching myself. Yeah, but you do improve from it. I'm convinced of it. I don't know. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you become more self-conscious. It depends on the person. I guess it really does. Mm. That's like anything, I guess. Yeah. Um, what's next? What What's the next Kegel in front of the camera thing that's coming our way? In front of the camera? Yeah. Um, so I have, yeah, Avengers coming out okay. April 26th. April 26th. So, so that's watch right that. around the corner. End game. And then I shoot the next Jumanji movie mm. in the next couple of weeks. Great. I'm going to start that. And then I go on to another movie called Gunpowder Milkshake, which is an assassin movie so um, you'll need to stay shape, yeah. in shape for that Maybe so you'll get just, a little more in shape so you'll just continue the, okay all right and that script is completely completely incredible um it's with lena Headey from game of thrones she can um, whip some ass yes she can i'm so excited and it's a all-female assassin movie um and i'm excited so basically you've decided to just do really tiny movies for a while yeah. No, I <laughs> in front of the camera. <laughs> Behind the camera I'm doing tiny ones. Yes. And um do you already know what's happening next on that front as well? No, I don't actually. The short, finishing the short. Finishing the short, seeing what happens with that. I, uh, maybe Axwind will be the next one. That's a lot. That's that one's a lot of fun. It really you, is. You basically get to make two movies for the price of one. Kind of. Yeah. Well, there's a new draft now. Um, I don't want to give anything away. I won't, I won't give anything away, but I worked with a writer for the first time in my life. Um, Anne Lane, her name is, who know, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Another ginger. Another ginger. I guess I only work with gingers. Yeah. My producer is a ginger girl. That's well. right. So, so the three of us are like three gingers writing the weirdest stuff ever. Um, but she is amazing and I had such a good experience collaborating with her and... And it awesome. was great. It was a really good experience. She's very talented and her sensibility, I could imagine, is very right for Axwound as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's yeah. a big horror fan. I know. Love that. Yeah. And what about you? What's next? Um, I just, you know, I just finished the first season of this program, this this yep. television program. And we, uh, we already know that we're going to do another one. Mm-hmm. So that part of my life is kind of accounted for. Mm-hmm. So I have until July... Okay. We're going to do another fun psych project. Oh, really? Um, That's exciting. That won't take up a ton of time, but Mm -hmm. uh, we just have the coolest fans ever Mm -hmm. and they keep screaming for it. So, I mean, how cool to have an appetite for something that you never thought was, I can't, still can't believe the 
the life that thing took on. Mm. And then, you know, figuring out what I exactly I want to do next. As a filmmaker. As a filmmaker. It's hard to imagine leaving the genre yet Mm. because I just feel like there's plenty of stories, good stories to be told. um, Yeah. In the horror genre. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, might, I just feel like I probably need to do at least one or two more before I feel comfortable saying, okay, I'll leave this thing that yeah. I love and go over Are there other genres else. that you would like to dabble in? I can't, I can't think of anything that I wouldn't enjoy dabbling in, yeah. even if it's just a goof. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel so obligated to show people that horror movies can be good. Yeah. And I feel like now more than ever, you know, because of what you know, Jordan Peele did with Get Out. It's like yeah, horror has the a... the stigma is detaching, I horror feel. Horror has a seat at the table again. It really does. And so I feel like and while the... And it's wildly popular. We're talking like some of the biggest box office numbers out there. Yeah. So there's like a huge appetite for it. And Therefore, the great open. ones are coming along, you know. So strike while the iron's hot and, no. and show people that it's not a fluke, right? Show them that, no. you know, it's just, it's a legit genre where good mm-hmm. stories can be told of and course. well-crafted and mm-hmm. they can look beautiful and great actors can yes. come in and do great work. What's your favorite it, horror movie of all time? Man, that's a tough one. Don't even think about it. What is it? Ah! Say it. God damn it. <laughs> ah! You're this, taking too much time. I, but because there's so many subgenres. I mean, you have to, you have do to you consider one. a Clockwork Orange a horror movie? No. What do you consider it? A dark social commentary? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> on violence. <laughs> okay, then I might have to say, I don't know. My, my answer will change every time you ask me this question. But today I'm going to say An American Werewolf in London. Okay. And what will you say? Go. I will say The Shining. Okay. Yeah. And will you always say The Shining? Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. number one. That's number one. Number two might change. Maybe that would be, I think it's Repulsion. Very good. And uh, probably not one that a lot of people necessarily have seen or would consider mm. immediately in, when you're mm-hmm. talking about horror films. But it's actually kind of a good reference for your movie in a way. Like it's um, similar themes, yeah. I would say. Um, incredibly relevant now. All and, true things mm-hmm. that you're saying. So watch it. Yeah. Go find Repulsion. Mm. Um, I love John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, Yeah. I love the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. I love Don't Look Now. I was reading this thing about uh, the guy that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was based on. Ed Gein. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Loosely based, but yes. Loosely, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've never been more disturbed in my life. So terrifying. He made lampshades. Yeah. And you bought one of them. So what does that say about you? <laughs> I did not. I did not buy a lampshade. Um, I cannot thank you enough for carving out a little bit of time to oh, come hang course. out with me thank in this you. strange raw bar space. I'm so excited for people to see your film. I'm excited to see the reaction. Uh, I'm curious to see the reaction. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, right now, more than anything, I think it's just important to keep the conversation going. Yeah, and this film is definitely going to do that and it's going to spark some opinions. Um, Absolutely. Positive, negative, and everything in between. But, but that's what art should do. Now is not the time to be complacent, that's for sure. Well said, James Rode. well said. 
James, Karen, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And just as a Scot who has access to Google, I think it's important for me to, to, to let the world know that you can indeed milk a Highland cow. And that's one to grow on with Nick Dawson. <laughs> Nick, staying in Scotland, a name that came up during this conversation is Lynn Ramsey. Indeed. And we, of course, recorded a podcast with her last year. Her in conversation with Eliza Hitman. And while we are plugging related episodes of the podcast, of course, go check out Stephanie Beatrice in conversation with Javier Munoz. Stephanie Beatrice is a co-star in James's movie. Treehouse. Treehouse. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch the Talkhouse podcast anywhere fine podcasts are served. And now, because they're serving fine podcasts here as well, Spotify. Or Scottify, as we call it. Oh, go milk a cow. <laughs> I might just do that. Today's episode is recorded by Ali Niku. At a construction site in Los Angeles. <laughs> it was co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. The Talkhouse podcast theme song was composed and performed by The Range. Till next week, I'm Ali Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. Peace. Hey, uh, I'm James Roday, and you are listening to the Talkhouse podcast. <laughs> oh, 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 uh, hello. Uh, hello. Uh, this is old Karen Gillen. And uh, what are we doing? Oh, yes. Uh, you're listening to the Talkhouse uh, podcast. Pod- podcast. Podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That was oh just God. garbage. It was hot. <gasps> Everybody does the same impression of me. I'm starting to think that they're right. <laughs> Fuck's sake.